Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Langer at the Mic. We have some very exciting news today because this will be the first Langer at the Mic episode that will air on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You might also notice that we have a new logo, and that is many thanks and credit to my brother and graphic designer, Matthew Lang. And if this is your first time tuning in, then welcome to the show and thank you for listening. We'll bring some cool guest interviews as well as plenty of Dallas Cowboys and Montreal Canadiens talk your way. We'll also talk some fitness since I am a kinesiologist and personal trainer and also talk some life in general. And uh, whatever doesn't get posted on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can find on my YouTube channel. Check it out. Langer at the mic. There are two R's in Langer just because that was my nickname in hockey. And you can also hit me up on Twitter and uh, Instagram at Mike Langer for both. So subscribe to my YouTube channel and send me a follow on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, our guest today will be Hugh Burrow from Sportsnet 590 in Toronto. He will be on in a few seconds. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. And here he is. He has done TVs for Sportsnet. He also co-hosts the golf show. And you could hear him on the morning every, every day, every weekday morning on Sportsnet 590 in Toronto. He is my radio announcer, but if you take his betting advice, your odds will be in your favor. Maybe. He is Hugh Burrell. How are you today, Thank you. How are you doing, Mike? You make me sound really uh, a lot busier than I am, really. Uh, thank you for that. Great. <laughs> ne- never take, ever, ever take betting advice from me. Trust me. <laughs> all right. At least, at least you admit. But yeah, I know, um, you know, I know you give a lot of uh, gambling advice and all that. So uh, on your Twitter account, right, you can follow Hugh at uh, Hugh Burl. It's H-U-G-H-W. Yeah. Hugh W-U-R-R-I-L-L. There yep. you go. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So thank you so much for joining the show today, Hugh. And uh, let's... Thanks for having me. Yeah, let's get right into it. So um, let's start by talking a little bit of hockey here. Um, just confirm your favorite team, maybe not right now, because I know as a broadcaster, you have to be a ju- objective, right? But, you know, your favorite team growing up was the Montreal Canadiens, correct? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a Habs fan. I grew up in the Ottawa Valley. Uh, this was before the Senators came back. And back then in the Valley, you were either uh, a Leafs fan or a Habs fan. And my dad was a Habs fan, so I just by default, was a Habs fan. And so I grew up with all those great teams with uh, Guy Lafleur, Ken Dryden, Jacques Lemaire, Steve Shutt, Larry Robinson, Serge Savard. I could go on and on and on, but all you have to do is just open up a hockey history book and you, you understand why people cheered for those teams. Uh, they were just um, amongst the best to ever get on the ice in the NHL. Mm, yeah, you you, uh, you took well after your dad, I guess. But uh, yeah, yeah. What, what would you say was like that that season that you remember most as like growing up? Like what what like was it the '86 Stanley Cup or the '93 Stanley Cup? What what was what do you remember the most? It was probably. Uh, I mean, '86 was great, but it was probably the '93 Stanley Cup. I had just moved to Toronto uh, for a job um, in, in that spring, um, so I was. Um, I was, I was working part-time, so I had a lot of, a lot of downtime to, to watch hockey. And uh, that was a pretty special playoff run by the Habs uh, with all of the, uh, the overtime victories. And you just knew that with Patrick Waugh and Nett, if this game was going to overtime, Montreal was going to win. Would they have like 10 overtime victories with that playoff? So it, it was a foregone conclusion they were going to win. And that was they were a good team. They weren't a great team, but they just kind of caught lightning in the bottle. They got helped a little bit uh, uh, when the Penguins went out, for sure. Um, and and I, I would have liked to have seen them play 
the Leafs in the final, but um, you know, we'll we'll take a, a five game victory over the Kings as well. So yeah, and if if the Leafs had beat the uh, yeah, if the Leafs had beat the Habs in that uh, Stanley Cup final, we would never hear the end of it. So I, it played no, out well, thankfully. No, they, they'd still be partying in the streets of Toronto. I think. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But um, like we like the like Montreal Canadians fans are still partying right now in St. Catherine. But uh, yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> um, but let's also actually bring it now to 2020. So I know you have your show every morning on Sportsnet, yep. and I'm sure you talk. Uh, I know you talk a lot of Blue Jays, of course, but I'm sure you also talk, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL off season. So yeah, we talk what, everything. There you go. Exactly. Golf and uh, and yep. F1 racing, everything, yep. of course. So uh, give me your initial thoughts on this off season that the Montreal Canadiens have had so far. Yeah, you're right. We, we talk we talk a lot of hockey on leadoff with Ziggy and Scotty Mack. Uh, Monday to Friday, 6 to 9 on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Um, it, it's... It's been a, just like the regular season or the irregular season, we're calling it. It's been a kind of a wacky last couple of months here for, for hockey and its fans. Um, the bubble worked. I mean, and I have to admit that, that when they first floated this idea, I had my doubts of whether or not it was going to work, but they pulled it off brilliantly. Um, now, in terms of the the off season, it's it's like everything got done in terms of free agency, uh, like in the first day or two. All the most of the big names were signed. Um, the Habs were were pretty busy. They made they made some nice moves, I, I think. Uh, now, does it does the addition of uh, Tyler Foley and uh, <laughs> you know Josh Anderson does that make them does that make them cup contenders? I don't know. The jury's still out there. I mean, Carey Price is going to have a lot to say about that, but uh, it's nice that they got a guy like Jake Allen to, to kind of take some of the pressure off or take some of the workload off a guy like Carey Price. Cause he's probably been playing too much hockey for this team over the last few years. Um, so it'd be nice to give him uh, a bit of a break and, and keep him a little more fresh than he has been for the playoffs. Yeah, I did. I looked it up. I think it was about six or seven of the last ten years where he's played over like fifty nine games in uh, yeah. in a season for Carey Price. But what I'm looking at, I mean, I really like the Toffoli signing. For me, it's the seven years to Josh Anderson. Again, love the player. That's a big yeah. need for the Canadians. But but the term seven years, that's going to yeah. be a gamble. We'll see how that turns out. Well, I mean, and when when you hear a term like that, seven years, maybe maybe that deal's not happening if the term isn't seven years, maybe, maybe that's what he wanted for that price. And and perhaps the Habs weren't willing to go any higher in terms of money. Maybe they throw another year or two on the back end to, to, to make it happen. Uh, but you're right. I like the player. I like the player of two years ago. Uh, let's, let's hope we're not getting the Josh Anderson from last year where it was an injury plagued year and he had one goal. We're looking for a couple of years ago when he set a career high. I think he had 27 goals. I believe that 27, was 27. Yeah. Yeah. Like 49 so points or something. Yeah. So, so let's hope it's that guy. Um, and if it is, you're right. He, he's a, he's a physical presence. He's not the biggest player in the world, but he, but he's got good size and, and it looks like he's not afraid to use it. And that's something, well, let's face it. The Habs have been, have been lacking here lately. They've got some good young talented players, but none of, none of, none of whom you'd call a power forward. And so, so it's nice to have a guy like this. I'm going to make a bold statement right now here, right. and I want you to okay. give me your uh, feedback on this. So one All of right. those young players, his name is Nick Suzuki. Yeah. And right now I did this research as well, but a case could be made 
that one day Nick Suzuki will be as good as Braden Point. Why, you ask? Because 20-year-old... That would be my question, yeah. yeah. Why? Why? Because if you look at their production in junior, and if you look at Braden Point as a 20-year-old versus Nick Suzuki as a 20-year-old, then they're in a very similar category right now. So obviously it's a very, very small sample size, very small sample size. I'm going to have to ask our friend Zach Penster with the analytic data to you know, see if that supports it or not. But uh, what do you think about that? That you're right. That is a very bold statement. And and if, Hey, if that can come, come to fruition, that would be amazing for Habs fans everywhere. However, a guy like point also plays alongside, you know, a guy like Kucherov and there's a lot of talent surrounding Braden point. Now I'm not sure if Nick Suzuki has the supporting cast that Braden point has <laughs> in, in Tampa, but we'll see, right? It, it, I mean, I was so impressed by him, especially in the playoffs. It was kind of a, almost his coming out party a little bit in the playoffs. Uh, he and Casper um, uh, Cook and Yemi as well. So it, it was nice to see. Mm -hmm, for sure. And um, let's actually go back a couple years now because yeah. I want to now talk about you're, you're with us on the show today and I really appreciate that. So I want to talk about your experiences in broadcasting. So okay, there have um, been a few. Yeah, so let's go right back to that. Uh, you, you covered the Canadians Tampa Bay series in 2015, correct? Yes, I did. And it was, I was working for Sportsnet, uh, the, the TV side at the, at the time. And it, we did it kind of in a different kind of way. There were two reporters, two of us covering the series. Um, but the other guy did the games in Tampa Bay, covered the games in Tampa Bay, and I covered the games in Montreal. Um, so when the series switched to Montreal, it was a regular regular work day. You, you go to morning skate, you file a report, you go back to the hotel for an hour or two, then you go back to the rink, you get ready, you do your pregame hit, you watch the game, you do your postgame hit and chat and all that kind of stuff, and then you go home. But when the series switched to Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, um, my job, and I use job like in air quotes here, uh, my job was basically to go to a, uh, a popular Montreal bar and watch the game with a bunch of crazy Habs fans. And, and we had a camera locked off and we'd, we'd get the reaction. We would do like every time they scored, we'd interview some people. We do like a post game kind of party report. It, it was a lot of fun. It was a different way to do it. Yeah. And um, so you were there for like in the bars at the time. I mean, I was, I guess it was 2015 and 2017 that we really had like a playoff, a full playoff experience yeah. in Montreal. Obviously this past uh, year in 2020 in the bubble was play a playoff experience, but it wasn't the same obviously no, as we got in April. But uh, what are your, what would you say are some of your best stories or fun stories within, you know, covering the Canadians in that series? Well, uh, let me, let me first talk about just the atmosphere in Montreal, in the city of Montreal during a playoff run. If, you, if you've never experienced it, it, it's pretty special. The, the air just kind of crackles with, with excitement leading up to, 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 to puck drop. And everybody there is a hockey expert from the cabbie to the doorman at the hotel to the bartender at the, at the restaurant that you're, that you're having dinner at everybody knows so much there's a good chance that the average person there knows more than you do about the team because you're kind of parachuted in to cover it it wasn't my regular beat i was usually with the maple leaves but it, just the excitement in montreal it, it's it it was palpable like you could just feel it and sense it uh, i can only imagine what it would ever be like if montreal ever played toronto in the playoffs i mean that and in both cities it would just be absolutely off the hook in terms of excitement 
But I remember um, just the overall, aside from the overall feeling uh, of covering that that series, there was the, uh, the one of the bars were out one of the nights, um, they had a, um, a mechanical bull. So in between periods, <laughs> they had you know, ride the mechanical bull contests. And, and no, I didn't get up on the bull. I, I, I took no part of that. It's, it's tough to do that, you know, wearing a suit and tie. But it, it was fun watching everybody. Uh, and, and as the, let's just say the, the rides were a lot better during the first intermission than they were during the second intermission, if you know what I say. That's, that's an extra hour or so to, to do some drinking. So it got, a little, it got a little loose toward the end of the game. And then especially, I guess, if there, well, I mean, if there was, I think there was an overtime for one of those two games back I, I, then. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So I can just imagine. Yeah. But yeah. But I mean, inside, sorry, inside the building is, it, it's unlike anything I've covered in, in terms of sports and just the volume level inside the Bell Center like pregame, like during, during warmups, the crowd is just ramped up. You, you literally can't hear yourself speak. I'd, I'd, I'd lean over to the, before our pregame hit, I'd lean over to the camera guy and I'd basically have to yell in his ear to be understood. Now it's a good thing we were wearing, a, or we had a, a microphone, so we didn't have to you know, scream that loud, but, but it was just, it was just amazing. It was incredible. What an atmosphere. And I feel just because Montreal is, uh, you know, hockey's, the Canadians are the only thing that we have in Montreal right now. I mean, yeah, the impact, yeah, the Alouettes, but they don't compare. It's not like we have the Blue Jays or, or the Raptors or anything like that. So, so absolutely. Like, and especially because Montreal is a bit of a small, like a much more dense and smaller city than Toronto yep. is like, yeah, just it's, it's, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Uh, remembering, it's a very passionate you know, city. It loves its halves. It always has, it always will. And it, that, that's why, you hear a lot of players talk about how it's the the best and worst place to play. Oh yeah, because then if you if you don't perform, like if Josh Anderson or or Tyler Toffoli don't pan out, then Habs Twitter right away and, and Habs signs will be all over them. But uh, but on the flip side of that, if you're doing well, there there's no fan base that loves you more. And oh, yeah, you're, PK you're the king of the city. Yeah. So um so yeah so like we can uh, we can talk ho- hockey all day and agree with each other other agree with each other for the most part but here's something that we will likely disagree on because okay. yesterday you just told me that you're a washington football fan correct yeah unfortunately i am but i come by it honestly i mean i i, I kind of I, where i grew up i mean our cable package showed a lot of washington football games so i became enamored with uh, john riggins uh the, you know he was the running back for 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 Washington, uh, Joe Theismann, the quarterback, the Hogs, that that absolutely incredible, huge offensive line. Um, so yeah, so three Super Bowls, we had a lot of great times, and now we're not having such great times. I, I'm glad that they're getting rid of that stupid nickname. I, was, I mean, I, I love the team, but I always hate, I always had, it, the nickname always kind of made me feel a little bit uncomfortable, and I, I haven't said it on the air probably in about three years now. Um, um, but I'm, I'm glad that, that, that that's changing. Yeah. Yeah. And I did like, yeah, I would have thought by now it would have slipped out once or twice just by accident, but so far it hasn't, but they're, they're a team. I, I think it, they're hitting rock bottom now and hopefully they're starting to rebound a little bit. Um, but the rivalry between my team and, and that, that dish rag you have hanging in the back background there, it, it, it's one Cowboys one. It's one of the it's one of the greatest rivalries in sport. We talked about a little bit about Montreal and, and Toronto and hockey, 
how about Washington and Dallas and football? You know, the Yankees, Red Sox. These are these are such great rivalries for sport, and it's nice to be nice to be part of that. Yeah, um, and and what would you what name would you go with for that for that for your franchise? Um, well, going into next year, what if you, you want to do the if you want to do the like the the easy one, like why not call them the Warriors? I mean, they've already got kind of the W as their you know de facto logo. Just call them the Warriors. Um, I mean, owner Daniel Snyder, he likes money. So you can make a heck of a lot more money just by rebranding, selling new jerseys, selling ball caps, whatever you want. Call them the Washington Warriors. It's a cool name. Yeah, I mean, obviously in Washington, you got to keep it political, which to me as a fan of the Cowboys and, you know, being rivals with the Washington at the time Redskins now football team. Um, and by the way, like going back to that, like even NFL networks, uh, you know, anchors and um, and reporters for NFL network, ESPN, they always let it slip every now and then. Yeah, they it happened. Right? But, They've been called that name for so long, like back from the 30s or whatever. So, oh, yeah. And, and yeah, as a Cowboys fan. Yeah, and just as a fan of the Cowboys, it's like, you know, it's something that we can shame and ridicule the that franchise for, for being the, yeah. the NFL team of the capital of the United States and have such a god-awful, like, racist name like that. Yeah, but it again, is. Yeah. It, it, it's indefensible. Like, and yeah. it, it, it has been defended for so long. And, yeah, there's a part of me that doesn't feel good about that. Yeah. But, but that being said, though, like in terms of finding a new name, like I like Warriors. I like the idea in terms of rebranding and all that. But just as, I think it just has to be something political, of course, if you're going to be in Washington, D.C. But let me ask you this, though. So right now, um, by the way, the, the Washington football team has two very um, cool stories and Ron Rivera coaching through his battle with cancer and Alex Smith coming back from his, you know, devastating broken leg from yeah. multiple breaks in his leg uh, yeah. a couple of years ago in 2018. So who do you think is really in a better place right now as a franchise? Do you think the Washington football team right now with their whole situation, you know, at least playing with, um, with, with the inspiration of Ron Rivera and Alex Smith or the Dallas Cowboys right now who, you know, Alex Smith comes back, but then Dak Prescott suffers just a devastating yeah. leg injury. And this team was supposed to be a Super Bowl contender, but right now is one in, or sorry, two and three and, yeah. and just has no defense and is down there starting quarterback for the rest of the season. So who's in a better state right now for 2020? Who do you think? That's, that's a $64 question, isn't it? And, it, 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 and even as a Washington fan, it, it, it killed me to see Dak Prescott go down with that horrible injury you never ever ever like to see that even even though i hate the cowboys with every fiber of my being uh dak prescott by all accounts seems like a good kid and then he'll come back i think i think he'll be okay but getting back to your question that's a tough one remember a few years and it wasn't so long ago remember a few years where both the habs and the leafs sucked it, it, it they were both just terrible terrible hockey teams that's what we're seeing yeah, that's what. Yeah, around that era, that's what we're seeing now with Washington and Dallas, two of the absolute tentpole foundation teams of the NFL, and they're both kind of just scuffling along. But, but if I had to choose, I'd rather be Dallas right now. Um, yeah, they're having their issues, but at least, at least they seem like they have when Dak, you know, returns healthy. At least they seem like they have a bona fide NFL quarterback. He was putting up record numbers before he went down and so the problem with dallas isn't their offense it's they they don't know how to stop the run 
they don't know how to prevent. They don't know how to stop anything. Sorry, yeah, they don't know how to stop anything from from completing a pass. So once if they can get that figured out, they'll be okay. But right now, Washington has to build up everything. They don't score, but at least they can't stop other teams from scoring. Well, you can. I mean, I really like the the front seven there, led by Chase Young and and especially Ron yeah. Rivera as a defensive coach. So at least the defense is there. But again, just like you said, quarterback. I don't know if Dwayne Haskins gonna be is gonna be the guy no. going forward. Well, like he's this, already demoted to what third string now behind Alex Smith. Much. Yeah, and, and uh, Kyle Allen. So and, and Kyle Allen. So yeah, it's been a pretty short ride for for Dwayne Haskins. Maybe he 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 can kind of rejuvenate his career somewhere else. But right now, it doesn't look like it's going to be in Washington. So uh, we have a couple minutes uh, left here. So we can't go this long talking with someone from Sportsnet and not talk about the Blue Jays here. So, um, but before we talk about the Blue Jays, so you grew up in the growing up in the Ottawa Valley. Were you a fan of the Jays or the Expos? Ah, you know what? I was. I can to this day I can ring off the starting lineup of the night, like the 1981 Montreal Expos. I was a huge, huge, huge Expos fan. Um, Gary Carter, Tim Raines, Andre Dawson, Ellis Valentine, Warren Cromartie. Spire, Larry Parrish, Tim Wallach, all those guys, Steve Rogers, Woody Fryman. That was the team that I kind of grew up with. And I, and for years, actually until I, I, all the way through college, I think I carried a Tim Raines baseball card in my wallet. Uh, I really should have put that away. It might've, it might've been worth something, but instead it just got all ripped up and everything. But yeah, I I was an Expos fan, but the year I moved to Toronto in, um, in 93 was the year that the Jays won their second, (laughs) their second world series. So so 93 was a good year for me in terms of sports. The Habs won the Stanley Cup and the Blue Jays won the World Series. Um, but how can you not be a fan of this team right now? They're, they're so exciting. And, and I know I know they made the playoffs this year. It was a 60-game schedule. And if it was a full schedule, they likely would not have made the postseason. But that doesn't mean that they weren't taking steps in the right direction. I mean, um, Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, Vladdy Jr., Lourdes Gurriel. I mean, th- these are young players you can really be excited about. And I think if they can just, I mean, like, like every team is saying this, if they can just get a little bit of pitching, they'll be okay. Well, but it's true for the Jays because I don't think they have a problem scoring runs. I, I think they have a problem, you know, preventing, not, not preventing runs, but they have a problem on the mound and everybody has to get better at that. And also, I feel like they also struggled with a lot of uh, base running discipline this we're year, young. right? So, I mean, yeah, they're, they're a young team, of course, and they're just learning we, how to win. I mean, as frustrating as it is for us as fans, you can imagine being a coach in that oh, yeah. dugout. You can imagine being uh, Charlie Montoyo or some of his his bench coaches, seeing seeing his players run through signs, seeing his players run into double steals, being the, the, the final out of the inning at third base. But these are growing pains. These these are the types of things that Jays fans are going to have to endure uh, to get to where they want to be. And where they want to be is back, well, on the day that we're recording this, it's the five-year anniversary of the Jose Bautista bat flip. So we want to get back to that kind of excitement. And I was at Rogers Center covering that game. And you talk about not being able to hear yourself speak. Oh, my God. In that seventh inning, it was, I thought the roof was going to come off in, in the seventh inning of that game. Yeah, um, would you say that's your favorite Blue Jays moment working for uh, Sportsnet and covering the Jays? Uh, that favorite Blue Jays moment, absolutely for sure. But I was lucky enough to cover uh, in 2014 the um, Nas- National League Championship Series and the uh, World Series between the uh, Kansas City Royals uh, and the um, San Francisco Giants. And, and to be in the locker room after the Giants won 
the World Series and to be covered in champagne and just reeking of it. But just to, to hear the, 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 the players are rejoicing at this, this great accomplishment, their third World Series in five years, and to just to kind of be, to be a small part of that, or at least to be an observer to that. That, that was probably the highlight of, uh, of my baseball career for sure. Mm, so uh, excellent. And, and coming back to uh, this Blue Jays team right now, so do you think that they can be a 500 team or better in a 162-game season if we get one, which we might not next year. We have no idea what MLB yeah. will look, what Major League Baseball will look like next year. Um, but if there is a 162-game season next year, how do you think this Blue Jays team will, will perform in that season? I think... At best, you can maybe be knocking on the door of a wild card spot. Um, if if Major League Baseball um, keeps the same number of teams in the playoffs as they are, I think that's the plan to 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 keep the playoffs expanded a little bit. I, I think that the Jays have a legitimate shot at one of the wild card card spots. They're not winning the division, not with the Yankees there, not with not with Tampa Bay there. Uh, but but they're going to have to do it kind of through the back door. Uh, but once you get in, you get in, right? Look at the Dallas Stars this year in the NHL playoffs. And they were they were kind of not great heading into the postseason, and they they made it all the way to the final. So that's what the Jays are going to have to hope for. Mm, but uh, one of those guys that they're going to be relying on, and this is again, we're going to have a lot of uh, people from Montreal watching the show. And as you know, you growing up an Expos fan yourself, obviously you are. Hi everybody you know, in Montreal for watching. Yes. <laughs> um, but, but thank you. But um, but yeah, just talk a little bit about the uh, about Vlad Guerrero Jr. and the year that he had. He wasn't uh, like he wasn't like bad, but he wasn't like he was at the same level he was the last couple of years. He went. Uh, he had a two sixty two batting average, nine home runs, and a .97 on base plus slugging. So yeah. um, is this was this just like an anomaly down kind of year for Vlad Jr. or what do you think of it? Here here's the problem, Mike, with hype very, very few players live up to it. And with that much hype for Vladdy Jr. coming into the major leagues with his dad being who his dad is, you know, just a, a Hall of Fame player, how was he ever going to live up to that hype? Yes, Vladdy Jr. can hit the bejesus out of a baseball, absolutely. But we saw his defensive liabilities at third base, so much so that they, they quickly moved him over to first base. And it's, it's, it's growing pains for him there right now. He has to learn a whole new position. Hitting, and, and we saw kind of some of his struggles in his sophomore year this year, pounding balls into the dirt, grounding into double plays, grounding out all the time. Well, he has, it's one thing to knock the cover off the ball in double A AA and triple A. That's great. That's great. But when you get to the major leagues, everybody is as good as you are. And, and you see this in the NHL a lot, you know, a, a superstar coming out of junior it ends up being a pretty mediocre player, at least for the first couple of years until he, he kind of gets his feet under him. You're seeing this with Vladdy Jr. Um, big league pitchers are pretty smart. They, they, they know that all you have to do with him is stop feeding him fastballs, throw the odd change up, give him a breaking ball and it's into the dirt and you're out of the inning. So these are things that he's going to have to learn. Yeah, and I was just uh, while you were saying that, I was just confirming his uh, how old he is. He's still twenty one years old. He's still yeah, he's only a kid. Yeah, he's barely legal to drink in the U.S. So yeah, I mean, mo most twenty one year olds in in a in a system in baseball that they're not even at the major league level yet. Well, this is he's already had two years at the major league level. So you just got to be patient with him. Uh, will he be the type of player that everybody wants him to be? Will he be his dad? No, no, he's not going to be. 
but I think I don't think he's going to be a great player. I think he's going to be a good player. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. I, I, but I think Bo Bichette as quickly kind of surpassed him as the the young leader of this team. And and you talk about a guy that's exciting to watch. It's it's Bo for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, thank you so much again, Hugh, for joining the show. I always like, uh, I want to ask one more question. We always end uh, my show with, uh, with predictions. So All right. right now okay. we got, yeah, we got the Braves and the Dodgers and the uh, NLCS and the Rays and the Astros and the ALCS, the hated Astros, but who is your pick for the world series? The trash throws, you mean? Uh, uh, <laughs> actually, I mean, it, I'm not really going to limb here, but I think it's going to be the Rays and Braves. And I, I think, I think it's going to be the Rays. I think it's the Rays year. I think they've got enough pitching. Um, they're they can get enough hitting as well. I I, I think it's the Rays. So so you're or telling me. So you're telling <laughs> me right now that that if if the Tampa Bay Rays, if there was if it wasn't for the COVID nineteen pandemic, we would have a a, ba- a major league baseball team from Montreal winning the World Series this year. Half from Montreal winning the World Series this year. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the other thing. I mean, if, if the race can somehow win a World Series, I mean, I don't know what that does for their their future in Tampa and or Montreal. But it'll be interesting to see. I mean, just you know, as a as someone cheering for the Expos, and as a lot of people that will be cheering for the Expos who listen to the yeah. show, um, you know, we can't help but wonder uh, what if this was, what if the Rays were the Expos or were a Montreal franchise right now? But yeah, hey, nobody wants baseball back in Montreal more than me, but I, I think it's going to be later than sooner for that to happen. Hey, we'll see. I mean, I know that there's a whole uh, a team of um, it's uh, a Charles Bronfman as uh, his son is uh, is is you know leading the charge there in Montreal yeah. with Bell Media and all that. So hey, we'll we'll see how that uh, ownership group can somehow bring the Rays out of uh, Tampa into Montreal. But um, hey, fingers crossed. It'd be pretty pretty tough to steal a World Series champion team out of the city. But hey, you never know, right? We'll see. Exactly. So, uh, hey, thank you so much again for Hugh. Once again, you could follow Hugh Burrell of Sportsnet 590 on Twitter at Hugh W. Burrell. That is two R's and two L's. And I am Mike Langer. You know that. And uh, if you like my content, you you can subscribe to my channel. Give us a big thumbs up on this video. This has been a Langer at the Mic, our first episode on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you for watching and listening, and we'll see you again next time.